how is the racial tensions in Hickory, North Carolina back in the 80s versus today? You know, and be honest, you don't have to honestly, sugarcoat anything. I'm not gonna sugarcoat a thing because honestly, reason I bought you here today was because um, I always believed that the 80s was one of the better decades. Um, I wanted you to explain to me in entirety your opinion on the 80s and how did it come about and what did you think about it growing up? Craig same the front and won't give us the 90. I'm stunning, pulling up late night, fold them like origami. Give them salami, they make the room fill up, tsunami. Tidal waves, so I title plays. Show me some love, I Apple Pay. I had a vision of being a nigga and carrying a championship to the Clippers. The niggas don't fuck with the Clippers, so I had to chill on the vision. I shut at these niggas. Whoa. Try to run it back ten times, you won't understand the impact. I'm criminal smooth in the midnight, I'm dropping them off and I hit the gas. Laugh out of the gym, all of your feelings, that boy want me to crash. I cash out at the rim, you probably think about me all in the past. Flexing my verbs off of the cash. I'm looking around so far ahead, I can't even see who's last. I mean, I was seated here and there on the little outskirts of the main city. Like, one dude even had like a, a business where he had the rebel flag on the car. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there thinking to myself like, dog, you don't even understand the percentage of people you cutting out just throwing that perception on your card off the beginning. You're... It's your boy, Robbie Dean, back with another one of those fire-ass episodes of Mi Blanc Amigo. And this is episode 16, the 80s, when America was great again? Question mark. Yeah, I linked up with this uh, 50-year-old white lady who pretty much just put me on growing up in a small town in North Carolina. And I wanted to get her perspective of her prime years being the 80s and how she felt about the country as a whole, how she felt about the area she grew up in as a whole, how she felt about the economy, and uh, her opinion on Trump, man. Uh, other than that, just a lot of random questions that refer to the 80s, because I always heard growing up the 80s was one of the best eras to live in. So yeah, I just wanted her honest perspective. So a lot of jewels in there. If you can keep up, let me know. But other than that, like, comment, subscribe like the white girls in the valley say. I'm out. Closing out on politics. Did you vote for him or Hillary? Oh my God. <laughs>
That's when I met my first love. Okay. And what year was that? 81. Hmm. October 81. And what was the times like during this time period? Oh gosh. <laughs> It's kind of a throwback to the 60s because we were riding around in a van, uh-huh. cruising. Wasn't much to do in Hickory. What was some of your favorite music at this time? Oh, my favorite music? Yeah. Ozzy. Ozzy, Ozzy Osbourne. Osbourne, yeah. Uh, Billy Squire, Marvin Gaye. Mm. Love Marvin Gaye. Okay. Um. What inspired you to stay in Hickory? Did you ever feel like uh, the world was bigger than Hickory or did you always feel like Hickory was just home and where you wanted to be? Hickory's just home. I mean, I've always wanted to travel. Mm -hmm. If I had my pick to go anywhere, it'd be Ireland, but you know. Ireland? That takes money. Okay, I got a couple questions to ask you. Um, Was America really at its greatest in the 80s compared to now? Oh gosh, you mean the economy? Yeah. No, I wouldn't say so. Gas so, stations were completely out of gas, shut down. In the 80s? In some areas, yes. Because of what, the country was poor? No, the prices of oil. Ah. Uh, they were withholding oil overseas. And that caused which war again? You remember? Desert Storm, I want to say, but I'm not sure. Uh, okay. No, my cousin served in Desert Storm. So, um, this shortage of gas, how, how did people get by in Hickory? Was there a shortage of jobs? Or was the market surviving? Was, you know, everything copacetic? How do people even make money in Hickory? Well, Hickory was a big booming town that made furniture. Mm. It's a big furniture place. Mm -hmm. All the way up Highway 321, Hickory towards Lenore. Furniture factories, furniture stores. But then they started going overseas. Hickory started suffering for that. Uh, and uh, what was your first job in Hickory? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was... My first job, I was about eight years old, and it was a paper route. Mm. And was it bringing in the big bucks? Oh, five dollars a week. Five dollars <laughs> a week. <laughs> Tell me what you could do with five dollars a week during this time. I went to Skateland every Friday night, saw my little boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and Had enough left over for a little snack and a drink, and that was about it. Just for an everyday paper route. Now, um, do you have kids? One. Um, do you see the contrast and how they grew up in Hickory in this time and era versus how you grew up in this time and era? Um, my son, since he's an only child, mm -hmm. my mom raised three of us. So yes, he grew up very, very different. Mm. Okay, now let's get to the real question. How is the racial tensions in Hickory, North Carolina, back in the 80s versus today? And you be, know, and be honest, you don't have to honestly, sugarcoat anything. I'm not gonna sugarcoat a thing because honestly, 
I thought everything was great, wonderful, mm -hmm. perfect. Um, this was actually before the 80s. I was in fourth grade. Uh-huh. Our school closed and they bused us across town mm -hmm. to a school that is now closed called Kenworth. And I started there in the second grade. I had a friend, Tina. Uh -huh. She was gonna ride the bus home with me on a Friday. Um, I kind of talked my mom into letting her spend the weekend. Okay. She didn't want to at first. Mm -hmm. uh, me and Tina talked about it all week at school. This is the fourth grade now. <laughs> mm -hmm. And Come Thursday, I asked her, I said, well, my mom said it was okay. She finally said, okay. You know, we're little. We didn't understand anything. She came back and told me that her mom said there was no way she was spending the weekend with a white Boo family. A white what now? Boo family. What does that mean? I guess I'm a ghost. I don't know. <laughs> okay. But I had to ask what that meant. Right. That was my first taste of what it was. Mm. And as you got older. Oh, I've seen it more and more. I recognized it. More towards you or more towards your people towards us? Rednecks. <laughs> okay. I mean, there's, yeah, there's some good old country boys that are perfectly fine and happy, but then you've got some mm -hmm. true, <laughs> bad you can say racist <laughs> people out there because uh, i actually the funny thing is i actually worked in hickory in 2016. i used to deliver wine up there to the grocery stores i love wines <laughs> yeah so i mean i would see it here and there on the little outskirts of the main city like one dude even had like a a business where he had the rebel flag on the car <laughs> And I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, like, dog, you don't even understand the percentage of people you're cutting out just throwing that perception on your card off the beginning. So, yeah, I understand how it is in Hickory. Um, what made you steer the way that you steered? You mean away from it? I mean, just being who you are as a person. Like, how do you view the world? Like me, I view people as human beings instead of racist. You know what I'm saying? Like, like. I mean, I know that you white at the end of the day, but I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm worried more about who you are first before I throw white, mm -hmm. before the personality. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, because, I mean, it's what the individual is. I mean, it's not like the color of our skin is going to hurt someone. Right, It's exactly. not. It's yeah. what they're thinking. It's who they are. Yeah. Um, so what made you, you grow it up in a, in a city like that, where it's 50-50 pretty much? My grandmother, uh -huh. lover to death. But I heard her say, you know, N-word several times. Mm -hmm. My mom, I never heard her say it. Right. She's the sweetest woman I know. Your grandmother or your mother? My grandmother was the strongest woman I knew. Okay. I would say she, those are, I didn't so. really have a very strong, positive male role model. Uh-huh. My grandmother's, my dad's mom, strongest woman I ever knew. Okay. My mom's probably the sweetest. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know. She instilled in us to be good to people. It doesn't matter. 
her dad's preacher. My uh, grandfather, so. So you grew up heavy in the churches? When I was very young, yeah. Okay, and when did you stray away and what made you stray away? Um, from the church? Yeah. <clears throat> I realized about two years ago mm -hmm. that I, I was, it, we were Southern Baptist. Okay. You know, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and Hickory's very much the Bible Belt. Mm -hmm. And I was just seeing things in church I didn't agree with. Um, hypocrites. <laughs> Everyone I knew outside of church, mostly hypocrite. Yeah. They were only a Christian when the doors were open to the church. <laughs> That's one of my biggest issues also. And, you know, you see people try to say, oh, don't let that be the reason that you stray away from that. It's the people, but there's so many hypocrites behind that. All through all the religions. Like, you see the hypocrite. I don't even know how you say it. Hypocrisism? Cism, <laughs> hypocrisy. <laughs> hypocrisy, that's there you it. Go. Yeah. <laughs> you see all of that. And, um, yeah, it's one of the craziest things to me. So, do you focus on religion at all, or you just wake up and roam the earth? Well, I'd be nice just to roam the earth, but no. <laughs> uh, I'm geared more towards uh, spirituality, mm -hmm. being spiritual but not religious. Mm. I love nature, adore it. Anything having to do with outside trees, moon, sun, nature in general. Okay. Um. Do you keep up with uh, current entertainment and like hip hop and all that? Like, you know what's going on out here? You know I'd love to say I do, but no. If I hear a good song come on the radio, yeah, I'll be dancing in my car uh -huh. <laughs> to the beat. But um, even when I was young, a teenager, mm -hmm. I didn't know who sung what. I uh, found out later on. Okay, okay. Um, just as current energy, do you compare your era of 18 and 25 year olds versus this era of 18 and 30 year olds. Who who do you believe is have, having a more fun time in that decade? I believe they are today. <laughs> and why is that? Well, from the ones I know uh -huh. and the ones I've seen and talked to, they're entitled mm. to way too much. <laughs> what do you think the entitlement comes from? Us, their parents. Too much baby? Yes. I know I did. Okay. I did that. My son was an only child. Curveball. Do you think Trump will fix that? <laughs> I think he might try, but no, I do not. How do you feel about Donald Trump? I want some honest talk right oh, now. Oh gosh, I think he talks too much. I think he needs a filter. I think if some people would listen to him, he might make sense if he curbed the way he spoke. But the way he comes off, uh -huh. people just don't want to listen to him. Do you believe in him and his policies? Because I don't um, keep up with none of that. I don't know his policies. I don't. I didn't. I don't. You know, I steered it. away from politics. I mean, yeah. I was locking all of the news feeds during the uh, campaign. Uh huh. I had them all going through my my Facebook. Okay. And uh, after it, about four months after it, and he became in office. Mm -hmm. And I was like, 
no one's giving him a chance to talk, but then when he does, he's not watching what he says, you know, what he says. He needs to have a filter of some sort. I mean, it's okay to speak and be blunt, but yeah. even when you're that way, you can still have a filter. Do you remember him from the 80s? <laughs> not really that much. I knew he was a businessman. Was he uh, as cocky? Absolutely. <laughs> He's always, that's him. That's him? What you see is what you get. That's him. Donnie T. Alright, so closing out on politics. Did you vote for him or Hillary? Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't vote for either. Me neither. So, um, people were saying it's going to be a wasted vote. Yeah. And I said, well, it might be a wasted vote, but... Mm-hmm. I don't like Hillary, and I don't like him. And they said, so, well, pick the lesser two evils. And I'm like, no, you're either evil or you're not. There's no lesser. So you said you was big on politics, or you wasn't? I wasn't. Never okay. been big on politics. So give me one thing that turned you off about Trump and one thing that turned you off about Hillary. Um, Hillary, there was just way too many rumors she was doing stuff illegal, and because her and Bill's so powerful, they just no way to get the charges brought uh, to get anything done. Trump, oh my gosh, his mouth, his mouth is his problem. <laughs> All right, do you believe he will get a second term? That is so hard to call. There's so many people that I see are Trump supporters, but then I see just as many that are so against him. I think if he does, it's going to be <laughs> maybe by a couple votes. I mean, it's going to be that electoral vote. Oh, okay. It really is. I don't think he will, to be honest. Mm. Um, it depends on how much damage control he can do. <laughs> okay. So, how do you view Charlotte as a woman you are? Is the stuff you see on the news, uh, the places you go, the city is becoming more gentrified, the city is becoming more colorful, uh, more entertaining, everything. How do you feel about the city of Charlotte and its growth? You know, I started coming to Charlotte about two years ago. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it before. <laughs> You know, because you did, you heard all the shootings, everything, all the crime in Charlotte. Uh -huh. But people need to get out and explore Charlotte. Right. I have, I've fallen in love with it. I just have. Okay. And I've always been a country girl. Uh -huh. Always. Mm -hmm. So what, what is one of your favorite things to do in the city? Or what, what always attracts you to the city? Honestly, it's the people. It seems like everybody I'm meeting is near or in Charlotte. Mm. So it's not really the town, it's the people. Will you ever make the move to Charlotte? I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, My roots are firmly planted. But I love visiting Charlotte every chance I get. That's dope. Alright, so closing this out. If there's anything you wanted to say to the youth, what would you say to them right now? The, the people that's 18 to 30. For the ones that feel they're entitled, 
they're not. Your parents worked hard to get. You probably feel in that way because of your parents, because I know I made my son feel that way. But that's on me. But he's 31 now. He's learned the difference. He's got to work for what he wants. But it was hard on him. It was a hard adjustment to make that he wasn't entitled to it. They need to understand and get a grip on reality. If they want it, they got to go for it. It's their dream. Alright. So. Um. You said that you grew up Baptist in a religious church, right? Yeah, Southern Baptist. Okay, what is this newfound thing that you discovered? Witchcraft, witchery, wizardry, what is it? Wicca. Wicca. To be Wiccan. Okay, and speak on that for a little bit. Um, I've been researching it. Uh, some of what I've been researching goes along with astrology. Uh-huh. I'm an Aries. Alright. Uh, you choose whatever you fall under astrology is like one of the elements. Mine's fire. Alright. I got that on me. Tattooed on me. My bloodline's tattooed on me. I've been studying with it. And the Aries Blood Witch. What is the uh, basis of Wicca? Like, what, what is it? If you explain it to somebody who doesn't know it all. It's mostly a pagan found faith. I know I'm not pagan, because uh -huh. I do believe in a higher power. Okay. But I'm extremely interested in the aspects of nature. Uh-huh. Um, tree of life, sun. Mm. So you believe more Moon. in the elements of nature uh yeah nature over life versus religious uh the stork dropped you off stereotypical story <laughs> oh yeah mine was the easter bunny delivered me so oh <laughs> uh, what guided you to this this movement that you found where did you find this at well when i started realizing i was not a southern baptist or a baptist uh-huh I really wasn't gravitating towards that at all. I didn't get anything out of the messages. Okay. Um, I've always loved nature. I've always loved the woods. Played in the woods as a child. Mm-hmm. Grew up near them. That just, when I got my tattoo, my first tattoo, it was my family tree branch. Gravitated me to, more towards that, my bloodline. Okay, so how do you get into this, uh, I don't want to say cult following, but how do you get into this program? Um, it's not really a program. There's solitary witches. You can join Covenant. Mm -hmm. It's like a group of women. They kind of, uh, I guess you would call it, rejoice together. Uh -huh. I think I'm going to be more of a solitary witch. Alright, so... I'm not really going to be a full witch because I'm not a pagan. Hmm. So, in your mastery of what you do and become within this uh, witch thing, what what can you do once you master this and get an understanding of it? What can you, you know you'll be able to do? Um, if you're a true believer, I mean, you've got to have the honest faith. It's like any anything you believe in, you've got to have faith in it. Mine is like, mine's a fire sign. So mine would be a, a blood fire sign. I'm drawn to both. Mm -hmm. 
uh, what can I do? I know when they're put together, it can be quite potent. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know if I'll succeed in doing anything. You can choose candles, you can meditate, choose rocks, crystals, quartz, any kind of stones. Uh, do you have understanding of the stones and quartz? I've got a list at home. Oh, you got a list? I don't have it memorized. There are so too. many stones, I had no idea. What is your actual favorite stone? A rose quartz. And what does it bring to you? A rose quartz to me, I was looking for, I was looking for a red stone because it's blood. But there, it has to be man-made. There is no red natural stone. Okay. So the next thing was a rose quartz. Mm. Okay. And um, if anybody was looking to get into this uh, witch thing, where would you refer them to? I would tell, <laughs> this is going to sound <laughs> terrible, but I did my research on Google. Mm -hmm. And do not believe one side because there's so many, <laughs> so many mistruths out there. Search several sites. And if you see they all have something in common, that's your truth. If you could say one thing to the stereotypical uh, Jesus freak, what would you be? What would you say to them? Stop being a fucking hypocrite. <laughs> that's it. That's it. All right. Practice what you preach. <laughs> Animal rescue. You said you've been doing it since 2010. Yes. Do you like it? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Do you feel like it's your calling? How do you feel it's, about it? It is my calling. I love animals. I adore animals. Okay. All animals. Uh, I've got six dogs. Uh. <laughs> so, uh, there's aspects of it that are horrible. You get images in your mind. You can't get them out. What was your, um, I hate to cut you off. What was your most craziest rescue mission story? The wildest one that you instantly think of. And I won't detail the details. It's the most recent and it's actually like two months ago in Kannapolis. It was a husband and wife. They had like five acres property, their house. I don't know what year it was built. They ended up arresting them. It was a hoarding situation, mm. except it was with animals. Yeah. Um, the rescuers went in. We had to wear like, not actual hazmat suits, but protection gear from head to toe. Had to come out every little bit so you could breathe. They wouldn't let you stay in the house long because it was that bad. The smell was horrid. What type of animals did they have hoarding in this they house? They had five cats. 47 dogs Ooh. and that was all over throughout the house and the property oh my god uh none of the cats were living when we found them they were all dead what two were in a wall holes in a wall they were in holes in the wall yes like they buried them no the cats actually actually got in the holes and that's where they died damn the people they thought they were rescuing them yeah I mean, if you're gonna rescue animals, that make sure you can feed them, make sure you can give them their shots, make sure you can give them their heartworm prevention medicine.
because if you can't afford all of that for the animal, you don't need them. You're not helping them. Right. Um, what these what would these people like describe them? Age, look, uh, mentality. You know, <laughs> I don't know if this is going to come off to everyone else, but in my mind, they remind me of like an old-fashioned grandma, grandpa. Mm. Uh, white or black? White. Okay. And their heart was in the right place, but no, you can't afford that unless you actually working with a rescue group and you are in the books as a rescue team and you're getting donations. There's no way to keep that many animals unless you're, you know, rich and they just weren't. What was the uh, end result for them? They were arrested. Last I heard, it's, you know, they're collecting evidence, it's waiting to go to trial. We couldn't take any phones in to get any pictures because they were using those, what they got, as evidence. Damn. The house was condemned. I don't know if it's been torn down yet or not. It was that bad. Feces on the floor. I mean, open feces, urine. The house, right. it's not livable. And close it out. Um, you've been doing this for seven years. Do you feel that you have become more blessed in the seven years versus pre-seven years because you do feel like this is your call. Absolutely. Mm. I've tr I mean, I've tried to foster animals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I felt bad because I was keeping them and I couldn't have, I, can't, I don't have no more room to foster anymore because I know I'm at my limit. I cannot afford them or I would foster more. But I ended up falling in love and keeping them. And I told the lady at the rescue one of the rescues I work with is a Better Life Animal Rescue out of Morganton. And she told me, she said, that's not a failure. You gave them a permanent home. We call that a success. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's what I'm holding on to. Mm. Uh, so it's it's kind of like you can't change the world for all animals, but for that one animal, you can change their world. Right, right, right. Um, what was the largest animal you rescued? Um, it was a Mastiff. Mm, how much did it weigh? Oh my gosh. I didn't hear back. It was malnourished. Um, uh, I don't know. I know seven dogs were put down because they were, there was no saving them. No matter how much money, how much medicine, they were just too far gone. Mm. Uh, I don't know which ones it was. Have you rescued anything outside of dogs and cats? A couple of horses. Uh, that's it. That's it. Oh. That I've had the, you know, involved in. Before I let you go, what was the nastiest rescue that you've ever heard of that was worse than the one that you've explained? That was the worst I've ever seen, heard, heard saw, mm -hmm. pictures, anywhere. I mean, you can't get that those images out of your mind. Uh, I woke up, I, I mean, for like the first week, I think I had like two nightmares about it, waking up sweating. Okay. It was that bad. Jeez. I mean, the animals were in cages. The cages were rusted. Right underneath one cage, you can there was like a an old-fashioned watering pot, you know, that you would water flowers with outside, one of the old-timey tin ones. It was covered in feces and urine falling through the cage. They didn't even have paper or nothing for the animal's feet. 
Mm. They were walking around on wire. All right. Last question before I let you go. Was Heaven on Earth the song of the 80s? Heaven on Earth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, but you know. Do you remember that song? I have, yeah. I've heard it. Was um, that made in the 80s? I have no clue. <laughs> I, oh, just, I just recall hearing it. <laughs> I don't know when it was made. It feels like an 80s song. <laughs> Um, I know it wasn't the 70s. <laughs> well, all right, Miss Anna. I enjoyed you pulling up, showing love, breaking the racial barrier. As always, fire content. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. All right. I'll holler. And that'll be another fire-ass episode of Me Blanc Amigo. I'd like to thank my co-host, Miss Anna, for pulling up and showing love once again, man. And I'd like to thank y'all for listening all the way through, man. I really appreciate every last one of y'all. One, two, three, four, five million of y'all, because that's where the hell we headed, baby. Uh, yeah, again, stay tuned for another fire-ass episode, for another fire-ass freestyle. You already know how your boy do. I'm just pop, pop, pop shooting these motherfuckers out at this point you already know how it go um yeah like comment subscribe like the white girls in the valley say my man i'm out